Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. And as they're going, I invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. Today is, as we've already said, today is our first Sunday of Advent. Traditionally, this Sunday has marked the beginning of the beginning of the church year, and and I think this is important because to to think about because essentially what we do when we when we celebrate Advent and we we move into this season and we mark a different calendar than our culture's calendar is we are also marking a different way of living and a different way of living in the world than our culture often does. These weeks that are leading up to Christmas typically are, are frantic and busy, but, but the invitation of Advent is for, for us to be reminded in this season, not of the craziness, but of the story of the gospel. And to not just be thinking about ourselves and all that we have to get done and what are we, what are we looking for and, and what presents are we going to get or, or what's it going to be like when our family comes to town, but instead to be thinking about God's mission for redemption for the world. And so we, we pause and, and I love this first Sunday because we show up and thanks to some wonderful volunteers that came during the week, our church is completely different than it was a week ago, isn't it? I mean, you, you just step into a, a different way of, of seeing things because the trees are here, our candles are here, we're doing our readings, the church is decorated, and we have, it, we're, we're brought back into that familiarity of that tradition. And, and we do some of the same readings and we sing some of the same songs and it brings us into this this story, once again, we're reminded again and again of this story. That the story is not just about us, but it's about God's plan for his world. And so this first Sunday of Advent, again, invites us to be in the world different. And as we move through this season, it invites us to be in this world in a different way. That We reject the Black Fridays of our world and the endless pursuit of creating comfort and joy for ourselves, and instead to let go of it all and receive the comfort and joy. It's not something that we have to do or earn or make, but it's something that God has already given to us. The season uh, invites us not just to do that for ourselves, but also to pay attention to our neighbors, to move outside of ourselves and to, and to hear that story in our world. And so one of the things that we're doing you probably saw this if you were in by the by the fireplace earlier this this morning is we as we do every year we have a giving tree out there so you probably saw that that tree over by the fireplace has some tags on it and we would love for you to take one of those tags or two or three there's there's plenty we have more that we can put out so don't think oh I want to leave some for other people so they can get some we have more that didn't fit on the tree so 
those tags, what we're doing this year is we're collecting gift cards for families that are living at the Vision House. We have, there are two Vision Houses locally here in the Seattle area, one down in Renton and one here in Shoreline. And what these houses do is they provide shelter, they provide housing for, particularly for women and children who are experiencing homelessness. Oftentimes these women and these families are, are trying to get away from abusive situations and these provide transitional housing for, for these families as they try to move into a more stable housing. And so what we're doing as a church is we're collecting gift cards. There's, there's some tags on there that are between a $10 and $50 range and some between a $50 and $100 range. And we'd love for you to take some of those and bring back the gift cards. And it's a great way for us as a church to remember that in the rhythms of this season that it's not just about us, but it's about what we have to offer to others. And today, on our first Sunday of Advent, we're talking about longing. This is our theme for the first Sunday of Advent every year. Because this season is a season that is filled with unmet desires, isn't it? You think about your own life and your own way of experiencing Christmas every year, and it's it's never quite satisfying. And it's all this rush to to one day, and then it's over. And the things the I don't know about you, but the the ideal Roman, uh, Norman Rockwell picture of Christmas that never is your family, right? Maybe anybody. Okay, yeah, right. It's that we have these ideas of what it should look like, but it's never quite there. And in fact, this season often reminds us of, of our unfulfilled hopes. We read in, in our reading today, the Lindells read about this, this still waiting that Christ has come and yet we are still waiting for his second advent. And that this world that we're living in is still filled with pain and sorrow and suffering and death. The effects of sin are everywhere in our world. And so we enter into this first day to remind us of that, to remind us that, that there is emptiness, there's, there's goodness in this season, but there's also loss and heartache and loneliness. It's often, right, those of us that have lost somebody, that this season particularly is the hardest because it reminds us again of those who are not with us. And it's a time to gather with family and friends, and yet there are some in our family who aren't here this year. And, and it becomes particularly painful. So we start every year with this reminder of longing because this is where the gospel story begins. This is where the story of Christmas begins. That there are people who are waiting there are people who understand that things are not right and they're looking for an answer. So if you turn with me to Matthew chapter 2, we'll read about some people who are looking. And let's, let's have a word of prayer as we open the word together. God, as we dive into your scriptures this morning and, and we enter into this season of waiting and looking and expectation, we pray that our hearts will be open to what you have to say to us, 
but also to what you desire to do through us, through your word. May we come to the scriptures ready to be changed, and may we be ready to, to follow and to live the life that you have called us to live. Pray this in your name. Amen. Okay, so Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. This is where our story begins. The, the Magi are coming. They've heard of, they've seen the star. They've followed. They're looking for the one who has been born king of the Jews. So they come and they ask. And why are they looking for a king? Because there already is a king. Herod. And Herod is a little upset about this. He's, we're told that he's a little disturbed by the fact that they're coming and looking for the one who has been born king of the Jews because Herod is the king of the Jews. And he's a little, he's a little upset about this and he tells them that he wants to worship him also. But we know as we read the story that his plans are a little bit more devious than that. But the people are looking for a king. And the people of Israel are waiting for this Messiah to come. They have a king, but the current king is unacceptable. And so they're waiting and they're looking for the one who has been born king of the Jews. And the Magi come looking for the one who's been born king of the Jews. And this reminds me, this made me think of another time in Israel's history in which people were looking for a king. So if you will, turn back with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, Israel has a king. His name is Saul. But Samuel is sent to look for a new king. Why? Because the current king is unacceptable. And so in 1 Samuel chapter 16, we're told, The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Skip down to verse 6. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab. So he comes to Jesse's house and he sees Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. It's interesting, just as a side note, that word, the Lord's anointed, is the word, the Lord's Messiah. Because anointed means, or Messiah means anointed one. So here, Samuel sees Jesse's oldest son, Eliab, and, and says, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. 
But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shema pass by. But Samuel said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, Send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, Rise and anoint him. This is the one. Samuel comes to Jesse's house to anoint a king. And he sees the oldest, the tallest, the strongest. And he said, Surely this is the Lord's anointed one. He sees him and he looks like a king. And so, of course, this must be the king. He had expectations what a king should look like. The Magi, as they come to Jerusalem, they have expectations of where a king is going to be found. He's going to be in Jerusalem. He's going to be in the capital. He's going to be in the places where kings live. And yet, in both cases, the expectations of where to find a king are not where the king actually is. And why are the people looking for a king in both situations? They're looking for someone to solve their problems. They're looking for someone to help them feel safe. When, when Israel asked for a king and they got solved, their question was, we want, we want to be like the other nations. We want to have someone who can lead us into battle, who can protect us, who will guide us. But he failed them. In all sorts of ways, Saul failed them. And Herod, though he was able to bring protection, though he was able to rebuild the temple, he had failed them. He was not the king that they needed. And when they come looking for the king, they look in the place. Of course they look in Jerusalem. Of course it's going to be the oldest and the strongest that we expect to be the king. But part of what God is doing in both of these stories, part of what he's reminding us of, part of what this story is all about is that kings are not found where we often expect them to be found. And that our king, the Messiah, is not often found where we would think that he would be. If if we were to write the story of how God would come to redeem his world, we would not write a story about a baby born in Bethlehem, in a manger. We would write the story of a king being brought into power and victory and to, to, to bring freedom and salvation. We would not write a story in which salvation comes through sacrifice, through death on a cross. And we're invited into a story as we begin to think about the longing of our world and our own longing. We're as we search for an answer, as we wait for him, we are searching in the places where the story tells us that the king is actually found. So we'll move through this season and we'll end on our last Sunday of Advent talking about humility 
and recognize that the story is happening through through this humble king. Not the mighty, not the firstborn, not the eldest, but the least. Not in powers of Jerusalem, but in Bethlehem in Judea. And as we enter into this season, and we think about not just what this story means for us, but what it means for our world, we understand that our world is looking for kings. We're looking for those who can keep us safe. We're looking for those who can protect us. We're looking for, in the midst of all the chaos, we desire those that can bring peace and stability to the chaos of our lives. We're looking for certainty. We're looking for peace. We tell this story again and again this time of year. We sing the songs, comfort and joy. This is what we long for. This is what we hope for in our lives. But oftentimes what we are doing, even as Christians, as we enter into, if we engage in Christmas in the way that our culture says to engage it, we try to create that for ourselves. We try to work out the peace for ourselves rather than coming and hearing the announcement of the angels that God has brought peace. Rather than coming and hearing that it's God who brings the comfort and joy to our lives. And part of what we do as we tell this story again and again is there's an acknowledgement that things are not the way they're supposed to be. This is why Samuel is looking for a new king. Because the king is unacceptable. This is not the way it's meant to be. And the Magi are looking for a king and the people of Israel are waiting for a Messiah because things are not the way they are supposed to be. And part of what we do when we begin our first Sunday of Advent with this idea of longing is it just pauses as we begin this season. And before we get into all of the hecticness that will come and the, and the busyness of what what has to happen in this coming month is it reminds us to pause and to remember and to remind one another that as we sing these songs about about desire and longing and expectation come thou long expected jesus we sing these songs that reminds us and we remind one another that things are not the way they're supposed to be in our world And as Christians, we are a people who have the privilege, the responsibility to name to our world that this is not the way it's supposed to be. This is not how God intended. Sin and death reigning in our world is not part of God's original plan. We are a people immersed in the story of Scripture, immersed in the story of the gospel, who understand good and evil. And part of what we do as we begin this first Sunday is we understand that we are a people who are responsible to name evil when we see it. We are people who are responsible to say this does not belong in God's world. That this heartache is not how God intended it to be. 
that the violence that we see is not how God intended it to be. That the hatred that we see in our world is not how God intends it to be. That the disruption that we experience in our families, that the disruption that we experience in our relationships is not part of God's original plan. And we are a people as Christians who tell the story of Christmas. Part of it is we're telling the story of Jesus and, and what he came. But that story begins with the fact that we needed a savior in the first place. And that we need a savior in the first place. And the story begins because things are not right in the world. And we are people. We are people who name, are invited to name what is wrong in our world. We name it in our own lives. We are people as we begin this season. Oftentimes Advent has typically been a season of repentance for the church. And so we pause and we, and we examine our, ourselves and we examine the ways in which things within our own choices and actions and the way that we have chosen to conduct our lives are not the way God intended them. And we pause and we reflect and say, in the same way that our, our world does this in a month from now as we make New Year's resolutions and think about how we want our lives to be different, we, as we begin Advent with this sense of longing, is we begin with this self-reflection and say, what is it in me that does not belong in God's world? And we pause and we take time to reflect and to repent and to move into this season in a way that's not just about what do I get, but, but how can I be changed? We're invited to name what is wrong within our church. And within the relationships that we have, and we say, this is not how God intended to be. And we pause, and we think, how can we as a church be a people who more fully reflect God's love to the world? Where have we gone wrong in the past year? And how can we continue to improve and become more like Christ? And we are people who are invited to name and, and understand evil in our world. And be a people who, who publicly proclaim what does not belong in our world and in our society. We have the privilege and the responsibility to be a people who say, this does not belong. So part of what we're invited to do as we think about longing, we think about what we are hoping for. But part of what we do then is we understand and we begin to hear the longings and begin to listen to the unmet desires of our world. Because in the questions, in the, in the striving, in the searching for, for, for happiness, the searching for joy within our world, the, the searching for a king, the searching for satisfaction, for peace and comfort, as Christians, we can pause... And understand that these questions, these strivings of our world are simply another way of asking, where is the one who has been born king? Where is the one who is going to bring us peace? Where is he? Our world may not know that this is the question that they're asking as they search for peace and security in their lives. 
as they search for, for a sense of, of safety in response to some of the violence that we see even, again this week in London. The, looking for some sense of safety and, and how do we solve this problem of violence that we see in our world? There's all kinds of ways of asking this question, but ultimately each question boils down to where is the one who has been born king? Where is the one who we have been looking for to bring peace? And we as Christians, because we know this story, and because we have entered into this story year after year, and we tell it to one another year after year, we hear their longings, and we have a privilege to be a people who say, ah, we know where the king is. He was born in Bethlehem in Judea, just like the prophets foretold. This is the, he is the one who will bring hope to your longings. He is the one who you should look to as an answer for the chaos that is in your life. He is the one who will restore joy and peace. And we as Christians have an opportunity as we have as we have publicly and personally named what is wrong with the world we also then point to what is right and what is true and who is true and we hear the longings of our world and we hear those as as just another way of asking where is the one who has been born king where is the one who has been born king And we have the opportunity to say we know we're the one who has been born king. He was born in Bethlehem, in Judea. We are people who point to the king. He's not in Jerusalem. He's not in Herod's palace. He's not in all the places that you as a world are going to be looking for the one who's going to bring you peace. He was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, just like the prophets foretold. When we're not on the same page with our family, when we're, when we're arguing as we, as we strive to, to put together the perfect holiday season and the craziness of the travel and the traffic and our, and our work and the stress that happens at this time of the year, where is the one who has been born king? How do we solve all of this craziness? We remember that it's not about the craziness. It's about Christ. And we point one another back to the king. So we begin this season reflecting on longing. Reflecting on the way that the things are not the way they're meant to be. And it's good for us to sit in the discomfort of things that are not the way they're meant to be. To not jump straight into trying to make it all happen, but again, to pause and to understand that it's not about what we create, but it's about what Christ has done in the world. But we understand that that this season is not just for us. It's not just about us hearing the story and gathering around with our family and friends and gathering around with our church 
to be reminded of it, but it's about the mission that we have to be in the world. The season should send us back to our world. Should send us to, to celebrate Christmas in a way that, that exhibits the same generosity that Christ exhibited in his love for us. This is the story that we tell year after year after year. So we come into a room that looks a lot different from the way it usually does. And we decorate our houses in a way that looks a lot different from what they usually do. And there's a familiarity for, with all of this because of our traditions and our rituals. But these traditions and our rituals, hopefully as we, as we step into them, we're reminded that this story is not just about our traditions and rituals. But it's about sending us to a world to proclaim, here, here, here is the king. And that as we hear our coworkers and our neighbors stressing about all that has to take place, we're reminded again, that's just another way. They're They're just asking, where is the one who has been born king? And as we stress about all the things, we can pause and say, oh, this is just another way that I'm asking. Where is the one who has been born king? And just to pause in the midst of it and to say, oh yeah, I know where that king was born. To proclaim to our world, we know where that king was born. To remind one another, to hear the longings, but then to remind ourselves, to remind those around us in our church, to remind our world that this story is about the king who was born in the lowliest of places. And the king who came and suffered the worst of deaths for us and for our world. Let's pray. God, as we, as we worship together, as we begin to decorate our homes and we begin uh, to, to celebrate this this month-long season of Advent preparing for Christmas. We pray that you enable us to be a church, to be a people who is not just looking out for ourselves, but that we have a mindset to hear the longings of our world. That this season becomes a way in which we can pay attention to the ways in which you are calling us to name what is wrong with our world and to name the solution. May we be a people who engage our neighbors, who love those around us with the love that you exhibited through your son, Jesus Christ. May we hear their longings. And may we be reminded of the answer to those longings. We pray this in your name. Amen. One of our Advent readings this morning was from Lamentations chapter three, which is which is quite a depressing book if you if you take time to read it. But right in the middle of it, it's full of of hardship and and this longing that we're talking about. Lamentations chapter three, verse nineteen says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. I don't know about you, but 
this, these verses are a reflection of, of the heart of, of so many in our world, are they not? I remember my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call the mine, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. As we begin this season of longing and waiting for Christmas, we understand that we have a hope and we understand God's faithfulness in our lives. We are people who, who don't just hold this message. Say, isn't it great that we have hope? But that we are a people who respond to the downcast souls of our world, proclaiming this hope to their longings. That we become a people who say, I know what you're looking for. You're looking for the king. And let me tell you where he can be found. May you hear the longings of those around you this week. And may you proclaim where the king is to be found.